1: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
0: Really dollars.
4: Welcome to the Really O7 podcast for this special behind-the-camera interview with Oscar and Norman Wanstall, who is here with us today. So it's uh, lovely to see Norman. Now Norman's had a, an amazing career in sound editing. He worked on all of Sean Connery's James Bond films, so yes, that includes Never Say Never Again, yes. which he came out of retirement for, all the way back from where Bond started in 1962, so one of the the original greats who made the series, so incredible to just be in his company. Now, we do have other interviews you can watch on our YouTube channel. Just go to Really 007 Pod at uh, YouTube. We're also on iTunes and Spotify, and all social media channels such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can... Follow us and interact with Bond fans from all over the world. Now I'm Tom Pickup, and I've got uh, my friend John Kell here with me today. And we're just yeah, we're fascinated to hear more about the world of sound editing, the world yeah. of editing. Sure. Because a lot of people, you know, would would sort of know that these jobs exist, but they don't know how to create the sounds. They don't know what's involved the editing process. So I don't know. I don't know, Norman. Could you sort of explain what it is to be first of all a sound editor? What does that job entail? <clears> <throat> yes.
2: Basically, most people, if ever I give a talk, I always take with me uh, a roll of film and a roll of sound because most people don't actually take in the fact that the sound and picture are totally separate. And that's very, very important because it means that if you went onto a film set and you see the camera crew lining up the shop, you know, way over the other side, there would be the sound man there with his t- tapes. And in the evening, the negative that they shot all day would go off to the laboratory. The tapes would go into the sound department. The following morning, the film would come back on 35, and the sound would come back on 35. They'd put those tapes onto 35 mil stock. So now you've got these two rolls of film that will go together now all the way through the making of the film. If you go into a a viewing theatre, picture goes on the projector, sound goes on a sound machine, switch, and the two start to roll. Which means that the soundtrack is completely available for people that want to decide whether or not which parts of the soundtrack are worthy of the final film and which really aren't, and they will have to be replaced. So what happens is, at the end of shooting, there's no point before the end of shooting, at the end of shooting on a film the size of Bond, you would bring on two sound effects editors, or they're called dubbing editors. Now there are some films which are very talky pictures indoors. You don't need two. One guy could cope, or one girl could cope with it all. But on bomb films, of course, there's so much going on. So what we used to do was to have one editor, sound editor, that would only deal with the dialogue. They would bring the actors back into into a recording theatre for lines that weren't suitable or weren't worthy, and they would re-record the dialogue with the actor until it was in sync. Whereas the sound effects editor would only concentrate on all the guns and the cars and the helicopters and the special noises and things like that. And that's, those two are always in touch, but they work very, very independently. And the only reason I was given the chance to do this job, which was quite remarkable, really, was as you probably know that Doctor No's budget was so ridiculous that everybody looks back now and thinks, "How did they make that film yeah. for one and a half million dollars?" Yes, unbelievable. Yeah. With those incredible sets. No, Ken oh Adam, yeah, <laughs> how he did. But anyway, cut a long story short. Peter Hunt said, "Norman, I'm awfully sorry, mate, but we can't afford two sound editors. You." Worked on three major pictures with one of the finest sound editors in the country. I know you've never done any sound editing, but we're going to have to make you the effects sound effects editor and we will bring on someone to do the dialogue. And so uh, fr- from then on, I went into my own room with my own assistant and I had to just copy what I learned from the man that I worked with before. Yeah. So who, who's the who's the chap you learned from then? His name was Winston Ryder. Right. His credits were incredible. Bridge on the River Choir, wow. Lawrence yeah. of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The interesting thing is he never ever called me across and said, "Norman, look, this this is the way you He never once did that on three major films. But I used to watch what he did, and I learned the actual principles of how he t- t- took on a major film. And of course, the third film that we worked on was *Sink the Bismarck*, which yes. was edited by Peter Hunt. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! The rest is history. Is
1: that how you got to know Peter Hunt through that film? Initially? Yes, it was. Oh.
2: Yes, because we're all working as a team, even yeah. though I wasn't on his side of it. And towards the end of the picture, I realised that his assistant was going to move on to a job in London. And I thought, wow, what a chance to get back to film editing rather than sound. So I approached him, and he said, fine, that'll be great. I felt rather sorry letting wind down, but I think he realized that you know, that's the way it works. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> so how was Peter? What, what was he like as a, as a gentleman? Peter and I became a really, really strong team. We were like you know, father and son, really. Oh, right. And we worked on about four major features before he was lucky enough to be given Dr No. Yeah. And I respected him greatly and he respected me. I mean, I was a young, single guy. When he went home, I'd stay behind and make sure everything was put back the way it was. We were a really, really good team. The fact that he had the confidence to give me Dr No proves it all, really.
4: Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the people we see as one of the great starting blocks of Bond. So you you have him, you have Ken Adam, Terence Young, John Barry. And these people have... I don't, it, it's a shame almost that at some point they have to leave the franchise and move on. When you started on Doctor No, could you could you sort of tell us how you you came to be chosen? Was it Peter just recommending you? Was that how it was done?
2: No, no, we were we were a team. I, I had assisted him. I was now his assistant. Ah. Yes, we had two assistants. I was his first assistant. Then we had another guy who was the second assistant. And the second assistant's the one that synchronizes all the rushes every morning because, you know, these two roles arrive and you don't know where they sink. I assisted him for, I'm sure it was four films before Dr. Noah Rose. And so we automatically went on it together. Right. And I remember him saying to me, when he started to see the rushes, he said, Norman, I think that the only way we're going to make this film really work is we've got to keep it moving. We've got to make it moving so fast, no one stops to analyze anything let's keep it moving and so he established that style yeah. of editing yeah. Yeah. any chance he had of moving slightly quicker getting someone through a door a little bit yeah. faster <laughs> he did it and i think every editor from then on followed that pattern followed yeah. that style of editing
4: john glenn's told us that he he learns a lot through peter hunt ah, and of course he are. brought him in for honor majesty so it's like a family that
1: develops, isn't it?
2: That's so, right. Yeah, keep going. That's right. Yeah, like culture, isn't it? That's yeah. like being bred through it. It's so good. And when I think he b- began to feel that they were going to give him a chance to direct, I feel that because we reached the point where I noticed he was spending more time on the set, and so he used to say to me, "Look, Norman, you can assemble the film," which was like. <laughs> 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 you could, you assemble that scene, and I'll, I'll be on the set, I'll come back. He, he used to say that assembling a film wasn't really what he wanted to do. He liked the fine cutting, you know, that last little frame here. So for the very first time, I had a chance to actually feel what it was like to sit on a movie owner and, uh, and cut shots together. I learned a lot from that. So uh, that was invaluable for me when I eventually got my chance. My word. You'd already worked, hadn't you, with
4: Harry Saltzman and Cubby Broccoli on those earlier pictures, was the Call Me Buana?
2: Oh. Yeah. yeah. I forgot Call Me Buana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was after Dr. No, though, wasn't it? I think it, it was. Was yeah. after, Cause okay. it after? Because the poster was on the From yes, Russia it with a Loved on, One. Yeah, so, I'm yeah. pretty
1: certain it was. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: That pays many debts. She should have kept her mouth shut. Yeah, it was just like a team really, wasn't it? The same yeah. people worked on the same films. And people always ask me what I thought about the two men, but because we were backroom people, I never really had much chance to get to know either yeah. of them, to be honest. Yeah. I got the feeling that Cubby was like the father figure whereas harry was more of you know into himself you couldn't really track yeah. that <laughs>
4: so how much interaction did you have with the
2: set and and
4: that kind of thing virtually none at all no. so it no. was all you saw all the footage for the first time when it was coming in and you heard each, all the, each day
2: the, the rushes the rushes it was always a nice thing about the rushes is that the whole crew, plus us, all came together in the theater to watch yesterday's oh. filming, oh. and it was a very nice feeling, you know yeah, I, I used to enjoy that.
4: So that was pinewood, wasn't it? Pinewood this was yeah yeah so just tell us going back to the beginning, how did you
2: get involved in the industry? It was a pinewood, wasn't it? It was, yes, it, pure luck, really, because I, I went to a co-educational school, and there was a, a girl there I became sort of friendly with, and her mother had a very big job at Pinewood. She was the assistant to the production controller. That right. was her title. And she said to her daughter one day, she said, look, school holidays are coming up, get a couple of friends, and I'll take the three of you around the studio That's for a day. amazing. And I was one of those friends. And of course, for a 14-year-old boy to go 14? around the film studio, I mean, we were passionate about film. We didn't have television and stuff like that. Saturday mornings, they laid on films purely for youngsters, Saturday morning pictures. We love, we love film. And and that day stayed in my brain forever because not only did I absorb the atmosphere of walking down the corridor with film stars going by and all these photographs on the wall and, and the women were so coolly dressed, you know, in trousers and things around their neck, but the highlight I don't know if you've ever stood outside a film studio, but what what makes it different from any other factory are these massive rectangular buildings called Stages. They are absolutely huge, there's no windows, rectangular, absolutely enormous, and probably it would have Stage A, Stage B, or Stage 1, Stage 2. And when you go inside, they're completely empty, apart from the fact that when you look up, there are all these strips going across which are for holding the lights. And she took us onto one of these, because normally there's a thing on the wall saying forbidden to <laughs> enter, you know, because you're intruding on someone's shooting. But anyway, because of who she was, she took us on, and they were making a film called Hell Below Zero, and it was pitch black, and right at the end I could see this light, and we got closer and closer and closer, and then I could see these people sitting around watching this ship's cabin, great big ship's cabin, and standing Rehearsing his lines was our hero, Alan Ladd. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't yeah. mean much to me, you, Alan Ladd, but to us, he was a big big star, big western. Yeah. And he was rehearsing his lines, and I kept thinking to myself, A, I can't believe I'm seeing Alan Ladd, and B, how did they get this, this massive cabin into this building? Well, when there was a break, I just wandered around the back, and of course, it was all scaffold poles and bits of wood, and yeah. I thought, the whole... Thing is fantasy. This is a wonderful industry. You know, it's make believe and movie magic. And I was totally, totally hooked. And catalogue story short, when my national service was over, oh yes, yeah. I had decided it was five years Thank since God. I saw that, that set. I thought it was no harm done. I could just ring and send her a letter, which I did. How the people enter the film industry. And to my amazement, after all those years, she wrote back and said, Norman, come and. Come and meet me." And we had a chat, and she said, we are short of someone in the editing department. Didn't, I didn't know what that meant. And she took me into this tiny room with a bloke in the corner running film through a machine, and I thought, this isn't quite what I had in mind, actually. <laughs> I, I imagined cameras and sound crews and stuff. But anyway, she said, you know, have a try, see what you think. And slowly but surely, every time they gave me the film to take up to the projection box because they were having a running, I could see the film was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I realized that this is where they were actually assembling the picture. This was the... And I became quite hooked on the whole idea of somebody cutting all those shots together. Because when when you see rushes... And every scene is taken from so many different angles that yeah. somebody has to decide when and where you will be on which shot. And I became intrigued on the whole skill of doing that. So whose decision are
4: those things where That's the, 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 the pictures coming. Yeah. Like, we'll choose this shot. Do, do they, how much influence on what uh, sound effects is, is used? Do they sort of say, can you use this one or? I'd like you to produce this sound for this.
2: Oh, but at that stage, all, all you're concentrating on is cutting the film together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with sound. Right. The sound people don't come on until the film's completed, otherwise they keep saying, well, you didn't tell me you were going to do that. Right, okay. But once they can see an assembled film, it's nothing like the final film, but you, you yeah. usually about a week after the end of shooting, you have got an assembled Production and the director, the editor, and various other people sit back and think, "Well, what have we got?" And then you, then from then on, you start to whittle it down, oh. and that's when the sound editors come on because they can now—that's the whole film—and they can work their way through reel by reel, deciding what's good enough for the final film and what isn't, yeah. and what isn't they know they've got to start replacing.
4: It's
1: absolutely fascinating. So it's like your sprinkling the final bit of magic on it. It's almost like the
2: icing on the cake kind of thing in some ways, would you say? Ah, but don't forget we're talking about Bond films here. So many films you're just put replacing sound that everybody knows will be on there, you know? <laughs> yeah. But with Bonds, uh, there are sounds which normally you wouldn't ever ever heard before. And this was why Doctor No was quite tough because the, they, all the films starting to move slightly into the futuristic idea yeah, with yeah. gadgets and flying hats and things <laughs> and, and wheels turning that you've never normally would yeah, see. Yeah. But the the sound industry was still lagging behind.
0: Mm.
2: And, but you could go to sound libraries, uh, sound effects libraries, and have a list most of the things you would find there, but once it became electronic, well, no, you haven't got anything quite like that. And purely by chance, I heard that somebody said, have you heard about the BBC Radiophonic Workshop? And I, I hadn't. And they said, or they said, no. Well, what it is, they've set them up to try and develop music that would suit space-type films, you know, mm. so that it's not the usual sort of violins and things, yeah. but more war-type <laughs> things. And I thought, well, they, that sounds interesting. yeah. Does, yeah. And on uh, Goldfinger, when he's strapped out onto the um, onto this platform, and they're going to bring the beam down. Oh, yeah.
3: I do have a new toy, but considerably more practical. You are looking at an industrial laser
2: which emits an extraordinary light, not to be found in nature. It can project a spot on the moon, or at closer range, cut through solid metal. I will show you. I started the beam with a a shot, you know, firework going off. And then I wanted a sound for that beam, and I could hear it in my mind. But libraries said, no, I've got nothing like that. So anyway, I called these people, the guy came down, he looked at it, and he went away, and a week later, exactly the right sound came back. Peter was a bit nervous about it. He thought it was probably a little bit strong on the ears. But everybody else said, no, that's a fantastic sound. Oh, wow. Whether it's still in the film, I'm not sure, but I think the last time I saw I wasn't too sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was a whip crack, a whip crack, set it off, and then you had this steely sound. So I thought, well, these people are wonderful, you know, at least you know that there's always an outlet if you're really stuck. And you only live twice. Oh. They had this rocket descending into the volcano and also taking off. Yeah. And I knew that that would take, oh, so much work. Where would I start with a thing like that, you know? So I called them in and I said, I'll tell you what, look, you just make one basic sound that covers it and then I'll add and subtract, and they said, okay, fair enough. And when it came back, it was the complete sound. Oh, lovely. I just sat back and said, fine, wound it in. And I always remember Peter Hunt said, I'm crazy about the rocket sound. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought, I wish I could say, well, you know, I did it, (laughs) but I didn't. But that's how valuable it was. Yeah. Whereas in Dr. No, without doubt, I have never known tension like I had on Dr. No, because the... Most difficult sound of all, I, I, I've managed to with the uh, mixer build all the difficult sounds first. This is what I learned from Winston Ryder look at the film, pick out all the challenges, get them done early so that when you're dubbing, you don't have to stop them and say, I've got to make this sound. It's already there. So I did it in, on Dr. No, I did the electronic doors in Dr. No's. Yeah, apartment.
3: yeah. here we are. <laughs>
0: Your room, Mister Bond. Don't
3: hesitate to ring if there's anything else you want, anything at all. Such as two air uh,
0: tickets to London. Mm. I leave you two dear people in peace.
2: I did the sound of the lift when they go in there. I didn't want it to sound like Mark Suspense's. <laughs> <laughs> I did when he was in the tunnel. I did the water oh, that crashing. Amazing noises. Is yeah. the
1: most iconic sound. When I think of Doctor No, that's the sound I think of that film. Yeah. Water crashing and that electronic kind oh, of do, 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 yeah, yeah, that yeah. sound while he's in the tunnel. How amazing! Yeah,
4: there's a lot of it which is unscored in 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 that scene. It is all sound
2: design, sound effects. Yes. And it's, it really sells oh, the scene. Oh, not covered with music, was it? No, no. no, no. The thing I made was the crushing of the... When oh, Dr No yeah. crushes that, that's my favourite sound of all time. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you persist in trying to provoke me, Mr Bond. I could have had you killed in the swamp. And why didn't you?
0: I thought you less stupid. Usually when a man gets in my way...
2: But no, I was in the sound effects library, and I was just going through my list, and suddenly I heard this sound that you heard. Yeah. I said, what's that over there? They said, oh, don't worry, Norm, it's just they're going through some electronics. I said, yeah, I know, but that is an amazing sound. I said, I, immediately I thought of him in that tunnel, yeah, yeah. and it had that twang when he drops, and I thought, oh. fantastic that is. So I, I said, oh, I'll have a copy, copy of that. And I took it back, and I knew they had music, so I thought, well, I can't lay, lay it up and say, this is what I'm doing. I just said, this is um, a possibility. And that known to me when they were mixing it, they didn't like the music, and they said, has Norman got anything? And they looked oh. at the chart, and they said, oh, well, and to my joy, they played it. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, that really made my day. But anyway, back to my, my attention. Yes. Yeah. Honestly. I went through and got all this. Sound, but the one thing I could not do was find a machine for when he bong goes onto the gantry well, and turns that oh, yeah, wheel. Yeah, an yeah such a such a vital sound because it, it was it was the nuclear reactor and so it affected the whole at the end of the film Yes. Yeah. and i kept looking for a machine that not only if i switched it on it would go one 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 but also yeah. have a control that would raise the pitch yes yeah. and they were going through the dubbing they'd gone through i think there were 12 reels they'd reached reel 11 and i still hadn't got sound and i was absolutely petrified mm because not only was my reputation, but the film was at stake. Anyway, in desperation, I went to the guy who was responsible for maintaining all the sound equipment, all the electronic sound equipment and everything. And uh, I, said, I told him the problem. I said, is there any chance you could come up with anything? He said, well, not really, but I'll give it some thought. And about two or three days later, he called me to the recording theatre, and I looked, and I could not believe... <laughs> this bit of gadgetry was so ridiculous you know bits of this bits of that i said oh he said no norm hold on <laughs> he said switch it on i switched it on and it was going one 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 i said oh, oh but he said no <laughs> and he gave me another one he said turn that and i turned it and it went wah, 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 wah. oh <laughs> i'm getting hot thinking about it oh. and everyone in the theater said that is unbelievable you have invented a machine
4: yes yeah Yeah.
2: to this day i don't know how he did it that's incredible saved my life and my reputation
4: (laughs) (laughs) so the sound designer they they create and suggest and then you do you suggest i want this sound to create now the the No, so, the, 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 the sound is up to me.
2: Right. And I just have to hope that whatever I create, they approve of. Right, okay, right. Yes. And it was interesting that sounds are so important on Bond because yeah. at Pinewood Studios, the head mixer there, the one that mixed everything together, his name um, was McCullum. Gordon McCullum, and he had a temper like nothing i mean oh. if he things weren't going right, he would storm out, and everyone kept quiet and he I was more nervous about working with with um, Gordon than I was any other aspect of it. But anyway, unbeknown to me, when the first cut was finished, they showed it to the sound department. And uh, I was in my room and I heard a tap on my door. And when I opened it, Gordon McCullum was standing there like a little <laughs> boy. He said, when are we going to start? <laughs> <laughs> and he knew that I would be having to create all those different sounds. He knew that, he knew, and he wanted to, he couldn't wait to get his hands on my ingredients, because when you go in there with about six different tracks to create one sound, it's fascinating. You try three with two, four with one, six with this, and eventually you say, that's the best, we've got it, we've made it, and then he makes it. And he knew he was looking forward to that, and we we had those lovely sessions, and we worked as a team from then on, it was great. You mentioned Dots and No Crushing. Can, can you tell us how that was done with his glove? <laughs> well, obviously, I can't remember all the different no, tracks. No, no. <laughs> but, but obviously, the first one would have been a, a beer can. Oh, right, okay. Make a start with that. Uh, there were two or three sounds. But what I love about it is when he drops it and it hits the table and it goes... Bang! Yes. And everybody hits the floor. He goes bang! And I think, Norm, how did you how did you do that? What did you use for that? Because it showed how th- threatening it was and how amazing that he could crush it. It was that yeah, heavy. Yeah. But as Gordon said on a bomb on these films, we can contribute sound wise rather than just compliment. Yes. Yeah. So mm. Most most pictures you just compliment. You know, if, if there's a door closed, you put a door closed. But in the Bonds, there were times when we actually. I was on a TV program once i've forgotten the lady's name now but she had a series and on this this particular one it was about awards and i i i went on it and and she said i introduced norman once i said when you throw a hat in the air this is the sound it makes this is what it makes when norman does it (laughs) (laughs) and she showed this shot and you know the whole place applauded oh it's amazing yeah and that's the odd job. The odd job's
4: oh, amazing job. bowler yeah then she
2: rang the ran the one with the turning of the thing okay turning yeah, yeah. Of the wheel and no one made a sound yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to them that's what you do that's what it did when you turn that wheel it makes that noise end of the story
4: <laughs> but you do you as viewers you just accept that that is the correct noise yes, definitely if you don't notice it almost that's good if you thought this doesn't sound like the right sound for whatever's happening on screen then that's a problem, isn't it? Yes, you, you're it right. It needs to sound what you imagine that
2: thing to be like. You couldn't have said it. You couldn't have said it more accurately because my pride in Goldfinger is the crushing, crushing oh, of yeah. the car. The car, yes, yeah. Because the sound came back up in sort of bits and pieces, Mm. I started right from scratch. I thought, yeah, I I think I could do this very well, but what I was missing was the most important sound of all, which was these jaws coming up during the crushing and going back. And I thought, come on, you've got a problem here. Where are you going to get a machine that will make that sort of sound? Anyway, I was working one day, and uh, I said to my assistant, what's going on outside? She said, oh, don't worry, they're Uh doing some maintenance on the (laughs) car park. (laughs) I said, yeah, but listen, and I could hear this. I rushed out. <laughs> I said, what's this machine? They said, oh, it's, they told me what it was. but I said, don't go anywhere. Stay where you are. Oh. I rushed back to find my sound mixer. <laughs> he said, "Norman, I'm sorry, mate. I can't come. I said, we're, um, we're, we're going to be shooting up for the rest of the day. I said, well, give me a machine and I'll have a, I'll, I'll, I'll record it. He said, I haven't gotten there. I said, well, what's that? He said, oh, you can't have that. That's a toy recorder I bought for my son. (laughs) I said, well, does it record? (laughs) He said, well, it records, but it's a toy. I said, well, give it to me. (laughs) I rushed back, and the the mic was about that size, and I tried to look very professional. (laughs) And I recorded it and laid it all up, you know, and I put it on the chart. I didn't say anything, and I waited for them to say Norman. (laughs) But they didn't. Oh, gosh. And I just didn't say a word. And that was my secret for years, that was. So that remained in the final film? Oh, then? definitely, because yeah. it was so powerful, and I love Fantastic. it. And, and the, the whole, with the breaking glass and everything, I'm very proud of that, but yeah. mo- nobody take, like one of you said, it's just what people expect. You expect, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's, what, that's what a crusher does. But as I think of Goldfinger, I think there's a real complementary nature
1: of the, some of the big sounds to deliberately take the music score out of so the crush yeah. is in. There's no music score, so you, you're focusing on that. Oh, that's
2: right. You're right. There. The same
1: is with the odd job fight at the end because oh. they take out the score. All you've got is that buzzing noise of like the uh, machine, the machine.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely throughout. <laughs> well, that, that makes the but tension. that
1: makes the tension. Yeah. It's like it's almost. It's basically the, that's the soundtrack. That's the score for that yeah. that scene. It's you're brilliant. so
2: so right. sure about that sound whether everyone <laughs> a, would approve of that mach- because that was the bomb but i thought it had that bit of tension and, yeah yeah and people often say that was a success
4: brilliant because you've got that noise then you've got the, the clicking of and the, the clicking the yeah and then so you're involved in the when it electrocutes himself that and those noises as well yes yeah that's, yes. A, that's a fantastic well it's a brilliant scene isn't it yes. It's just very memorable yeah my word So the throwing of the hat, how on earth did you get that noise? Because obviously, most people don't have one of those types of hats on them, do they? To, to <laughs> check whether it works. My, my metal I,
2: I know, I've been asked that countless times. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember all, but what I can remember is because of my age, I remembered a couple of toys that we had when we were little kids, you know, <laughs> yes. wartime. And I said to my assistant, I said, go around all the toy shops. I think it's very, very unlikely. But I gave him two toys. And to my amazement, he came back with them. I I said, I don't know how you did that, because these were way, way back. But very, very simply, one of them was a disc. Sometimes they were cardboard, sometimes they were metal. And the strange way string was put through the middle was we used to hold it in our hands like this and then pull it out. and By pulling (laughs) out the strings, the disc spun, and it used to go Oh, oh we loved it. We could do all that all day. You know? <laughs> and sometimes if it was metal, we'd try and cut something on the disc. Anyway, we took that into recording theatre and we recorded it. And the and the other one was a, a piece of metal about this long that was twisted all the way down. And then we had a little propeller that we put on the top and it, it spun its way to the bottom. <laughs> and then we used to love this. We used to push it up to the top and it... Flew off and it would flow all around the room, you know. So we took that into the, into the, uh, recording room and they followed it with the mic. Uh, They're the only two I can remember, but there were more. (laughs) And then I said, we must have something when it leaves the hand because you, you need the threat of this thing. This isn't cardboard, this is a metal hat, you know. And we tried lots and lots of things. And in the end, we, I said, I'll tell you what, get, let's get a carpenter's saw. And we got this carpenter's saw and we put it like that and we just twang the end of it. And we said, yes, we got it. This doom as it left. Most people would say, well, I didn't hear anything, but I know it's there.
3: Many people have tried to involve themselves in my affairs. Unsuccessfully. (laughs) Remarkable. But what does a club secretary have to say? Oh, nothing, Mr. Vaughn. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com.
1: I own the club. I love that you're telling us that these noises are made by toys or that you're recording yeah. of it on a toy, on a toy recorder, because it's the imagination of that. And and when we were kids and we grew up, it was that imagination that we see on the screen and we hear that. Yeah. made us have this imagination for Bond oh, now. Right. It's, it's It's just so heartening to hear. Yes, OK. It's I'm brilliant. I'm pleased. Yeah.
4: But you must have such a good ear. You must have yeah. such a good ear for what I think that could sound like.
2: Instinctively, you, you feel how that sound should yes. be. Yeah. And so uh, that's why when these people came from the um, BBC workshop, I could tell them exactly. I could say, right, I wanted to have this, that and the other. And they would say, fine, OK. And they would copy that. But if I hadn't said that, they'd say, well, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? So and hard. that's why with the with the beam on, on the on the on bond they made it exactly as i described it, it yeah a thin steely sound
3: yeah do you expect me to talk
2: no mr bond i expect you to die that's a
4: perfect mix of music and sound
1: yeah. effect
2: two words you may have overheard which cannot possibly have any significance to you or anyone in your organization can you afford to take that chance
4: I mean, you're working with John Barry, aren't you, getting at what stage does his music come in to all this? Is that after you've put the sound? It's
2: interesting. One of the biggest problems with films is because of the time factor, everything is done to time. Yeah. And by the time... The composer really can't really start showing an interest until the film is virtually fine-cut. Yeah. Yeah. Because he can't start writing music and then you say, oh, I'm sorry, we've altered that scene a bit. So the problem is that the composer and the sound effects people can't come together, look at the screen, and say, right, they want music on here. So how are we going to do it so that yours is mine's heard and yours is heard? Because so often the sound effects person would spend ages creating something, and then the music doesn't go with it. So you have to decide whether you're going to have the sound effects or the music, usually the music won. Yes, of course, and that was could be very, very disappointing. And so, one day, oh, it was on Thunderball, and he came to view view the cut. Who did John Barrett? John Barrett. Yeah, okay. And uh, I didn't really think much about it, but when it was when we finished, he came over. He said, "Norman, I'm so glad I came today, and I know what it was." Because when we were viewing the film, there was so much underwater that was just silence. Yes. It was just yes, spacing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I thought, this isn't fair on people when they watch the film. And I'd already started to experiment with underwater sounds. Oh. I was slowing up, so- slowing sounds up to get the bass and that. So I found one. I thought, that's, that's it. That's the one for me. So I wound it into all the cutting copy. So now at least you could hear something when you saw stuff. <laughs> yeah. John Barry came over, he said, Norman, I'm so glad. Now I know what you're doing. That's changed my mind. He said, I was going to put six trombones over that. Whoa. <laughs> and I thought, I said, John, isn't it a shame that we can't always work like this because it would be so much, so much more professional for you to know what I'm doing and I know what you're doing. Or we could discuss who's going to take over which bit, yeah. but we can't. There's no time. So that was one occasion when we really gained from him hearing something I was doing. Mm. Those underwater
4: scenes are so well, the sound on those are amazing, because again, it hasn't been done before or anything like
2: that, has Not it? Not to that extent, no. no. I, that's the only film that I feel that could have been sort of thought out a bit differently, really. To have so much underwater with all yeah. those bubbles and all those... <laughs> No, he didn't know where to stop and start. So, you know, In fact, I had one guy I, I brought on whose job was bubbles. Right, right. <laughs> but where do you stop and start? You know, when you've got about eight guys all yeah. going under, there's bubbles there, here, there. True. I thought it was a bit OTT, must <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's what a lot of people say. It was pioneering, though, and yeah. and John's music is... We say it's the sound of underwater, it's just...
2: It's, it does really help, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, I guess so, yes. It was just the bubbles. The know, bubbles, the, yeah. How, how, how many to have and when not to yeah, have yeah. them. <laughs>
4: There must have been lots of underwater footage that had to be cut down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, The editing in that is very difficult. Yes, you're absolutely right. this should work, you know. Oh, it did. did. From Rush With Love, I hope you're involved in this sound, but in the pre-title sequence, there's an agent you think is Bond, but it's actually the Spectre camp where there's a training camp, and they kill Bond, but it isn't him, and they take off his rubber mask to reveal that it is another age. Now, that noise of the rubber mask coming off is a... Di- oh, I love it. I think it's brilliant.
2: Well, I'm going to be really, really honest with you. Oh, please are not <laughs> That was the only time in all those films they yeah. said, Norm, that's not quite up to it. They didn't, they didn't want it? No, and they, they, <laughs> they were dubbing... And I'd, I'd done in record because you know, a lot of my stuff was done in a recording theatre, all the footsteps and movement and yeah, clonks yeah. and box and machines and that, all all done in the recording theatre. And I thought I'd got it right. But Peter didn't think it was right. right. And so yeah. apparently they stopped dubbing because I was still working in my cutting room. They stopped dubbing, brought something in, got and recorded it. Oh, right. So, you know, full oh, sorry. sorry. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that's great because it proves yeah. it proves that it needed to it be needs, something yeah. that people. I agree with you. It's perfect. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it's like it's almost like two movements, isn't it? Yeah. It's Bit the nice. only time though they ever criticised one of my sounds. Well, that's not bad,
4: is it? If it's the only time, yeah. It's a good, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good ratio, that yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> In From Russia with Love, there's the famous fight scene on the train. Oof. Now, what, how, how was that to,
2: to do the sound for that? Yes. That, that to me is probably one of, apart from the crushing, yes. as a scene, that's my favourite scene. Oh, it's brilliant. Isn't yes. It? That yeah. was all recorded in a recording theatre. Right, right. right yeah. Okay. Because there are the, you probably know this, but there are people called Footsteps and Effects Artists. Yeah. And they're paid. We all, you, you, we, we got to know them, you know, they were so regular. And they would come in and they would look at the screen and they could synchronize footsteps perfectly. They always knew what to put on their feet to get that sound. Of course, those theaters always had loads and loads of props, and they'd say, well, let's have one of those and one of those. They looked at the screen. I was in the recorder with the, with the mixer, and um, it was like a team thing. And yeah. every time I saw the recording of what they'd just done, I said, wow, that's absolutely fantastic, yeah. because we had all the right surfaces we had the right doors and the right you know they're banging this and banging that aren't they but i loved that scene and what was so nice for me was that there was no music mm. oh yes yeah, much better without and because yeah. the bullet went through the glass i was able to have my whistle of the train and the yeah yeah <laughs>
4: It does work much better. I think fights, particularly unscored. You're really in, you feel the constraints of that small cabin, don't you, on the train? Yes. It just makes it so
1: much more realistic.
4: It is it? a
2: fantastic it scene, is. isn't yeah. it? It's such yeah. a
1: contrast to the Goldfinger one, both equally brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But you, in from Rush With Love, you've got a very um, claustrophobic, frenetic fight, which is all sounds of that, you know, rushing yeah. winds and of the train and stuff. And then you've got an odd job, very slow, tense fight, yeah two completely contrasting styles oh, yeah. contrasting sounds but both have that incredible tension in them it's it's just brilliant oh. so yes bad
2: yes and and you don't very often see two men in suits fighting no, each other. no oh, <laughs> not at all it's quite a quite a scene that uh, definitely quite a scene
4: you won't be needing this old man
2: if If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. If you do not, you will be shot!
4: When you were first sort of working on all, the, particularly Doctor No, did you know Sean Connery? Were you thinking, looking at this footage of him, this guy is going to be a star? Did you, could you tell that this this guy was Bond?
2: Uh, I, I yes. Yeah. Because people have asked the question. I'm always asked is you you worked on Doctor No? Did you all realise that it was going to be such a success? Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the answer is no, they did not. No. Nobody had any idea. We, As far as we were concerned, it we had two choices. It was either going to be a huge success or a complete flop. Yeah. Mm. And I think what it was is because the the film was split into two halves. We knew we had a fantastic bond. Right. We knew we had Ursula, which was just stunning. Yeah. We knew we had scenes like the Tarantula, which people used to... I could tell people used to go, whew. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but... How are the people gonna to react to Dr. No? Right. This okay. character, you know. <laughs> oh fa- yeah, fantasy, yeah. Fantasy character. Yeah. So we, we just didn't know how the two were going to work. And also Bond was a slightly light um not lightweight spy, but you know, he had his jovial moments. You know, yeah. he wasn't your usual spy, was he? No. He didn't go around you know. <laughs> He was just a very handsome man, you yeah. Know. I did go to a, I don't know how I ended up at a sneak preview once. And um, we were in a cinema there. We were in the forecourt and Harry was there. And it was a sneak preview. And do you know the terror on that man's face? I'd never seen him look like that. Normally he was just Harry. But he was standing there looking like this. And I thought, Harry, you're really scared. And when they all filed out with a big smile on their face, uh, I could tell the relief. You knew it then, yeah. Yeah, Good but it proves it. just how unknown the future was of that film. Mm. And it, because it was it. different, wasn't it? When, yeah. when have you ever seen a film like Doctor No? No. No, it's true. It, it is,
4: because if that went wrong, we wouldn't be here today, would we? No, it's true. You wouldn't have, there wouldn't have been From Us With Love, no. no Goldfinger, no other Bonds. It's just, and then here we are 60 plus years on, it must fill you with pride that you're a part of that original. Yes, uh, yes. I mean, the very
2: first, and it was all created. Very, very lucky to have met Peter at the time, and yeah. he was lucky to get to get the film. Yeah. But the biggest problem on Doctor No, not only was I given my very first chance, of some you know, no one had ever been promoted to that job, yeah. from assistant to a sound effects editor. I mean, it's unheard of. Yeah. But the the, the Unfairness of it all was that because of the budget, when I record, did those recordings of all those sounds, I got this phone call saying, Norman, you are costing us a fortune. This has got to stop. We can't afford it. The budget's too tight. I thought, wait a minute. It's my first time, I'm trying to be professional, and you're telling me I've got to stop doing what I'm doing. It was very, very unfortunate. And it made life rather intolerant for me. And I was just fortunate hmm. that I'd made all those sounds before they came to me. Right. Otherwise, I would never have done them. So when we came on to Russia With Love, I thought, are we going to go through this again, <laughs> yeah, or what? Yeah. And there was a scene in the gypsy camp in oh. Turkey. All shot on the back lot at (laughs) Pinewood. I learned from Windrider, the way to bring a a scene to life is voices. He was crazy about voices, always having voices, all distant voices. I went into the uh, production office, tongue in cheek. He said, what do you want, Norm? I said, right, what I'm going to need, I want 10 Turkish women, 10 (laughs) Turkish men, and as many Russians as you can get. And he looked at the calendar, he said, Thursday be all right. (laughs) Gosh, I didn't realize. I it. couldn't believe it. Yeah, I thought now we're making movies, you know. That's... And I was so grateful. I was so grateful they all turned up. And I loved I love that, that scene. Yeah, yeah. And when we were dubbing, I, Terence stood there and up it came. He said, "Where are all these voices from?" <laughs> Peter said, "Norman recorded them." Why? Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he
4: he just couldn't believe it because the extras obviously they don't speak, do you, when you're recording a scene all that sound has to be added on afterwards because you just need the people the the main characters speaking to c- collect the sound don't you yes yeah because hmm. they don't want to pick up the
2: outside any out- background noise do they really And not when you're shooting no oh, to be added no, later. no no there might have been the odd you know bit of chatter yeah. going on but no basically yeah, that was it
4: were you involved in the the attache case the noises of the briefcase
2: Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, these are these are the so. Yeah. When it blew up, you yeah. mean? Oh yeah.
4: Oh, oh yeah. All right. It's
2: open yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. the mixer was very helpful when you're on the outside of the train and then when you're in the corridor of the train yeah you've got that loud rattle 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 yeah. when you come into the car- c- carriage it's much more subdued yeah so i thought god have i got to <laughs> keep laying that one and then cut to another yeah. side uh, but he said no no i think i've cracked this for you so all he did at the moment you I put a cue when we were going into the thing and he just switched the tone of the took the bass out or took okay. whatever you know, I don't know enough about the te- technology of sound, but he just altered the sound to fit the interior. So it took all that all that work off my oh. back.
1: Oh.
4: Wonderful. <coughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Unbelievable.
2: So on on to Goldfinger, we've
4: mentioned, you know, the amazing work you've done on that. Mm. Could you tell us a bit about how you found out you'd been well first nominated for an academy award how did that come about
2: peter and i i was still his assistant and we worked on lipcrest file oh yeah yeah which is one film i knew was going to be a success yes, yeah and we i was just in the recording theater with all the guys and and things and peter came in and said, "Uh, can I just stop you a second? He said, I've I've received a telegram here, he said, from the Academy and they want to know who was responsible for the sound effects on Goldfinger. So we all looked at him in surprise and we said, well, Pete, you know that better than anybody. (laughs) And uh, he sort of didn't know what to say and walked out and we just carried on working. Because we naturally thought, oh, well, they're obviously just getting some kind of a database about who worked on what and who did what. On what. And it was only about a couple of weeks later when I was officially told that I had been nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the big, biggest shock of all was that we had never heard of a sound effects award. Yeah, it, it yeah. Didn't, as far as we were concerned, it didn't exist. They'd only ever had a sound award, and that's always confusing, because how do you judge yeah. who was responsible for the sound of a picture when there's so many different people yeah, yeah, have yeah. worked that's on it? It's a massive department, yeah. And I think what must have happened is the American Guild of Editors must have said to the Academy, look, you, you really ought to introduce a sound effects award because of the amount of work that's involved in some of these films. is colossal. Yeah. They? So they obviously did. And in 1964, they introduced it and, it and it was won by a film called It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, which I've never seen. So I don't know <laughs> what was in it. And so my wife and I said, well, obviously we're not going to win anything, are we? So let's, let's go to the and have a really good experience oh, of yeah. America and so on, and uh, the uh, award ceremony. But then when I arrived at my hotel, they, they gave me a, a programme of the of the event, and to my amazement, there were only two nominated. Which <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. In some ways, I was, I was rather disappointed in a way. I thought, this means only two of us have got the chance. Yes, you know, yeah. I thought it would have been nicer if there had been four or five. But anyway, I knew then that the chances were very, very high. Mm. i had to take it seriously yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was the first oscar nomination that a bond film had
4: had yes it was yeah so it was i presume the producers and everybody were yeah, delighted big, with big celebration surely
2: yeah yes i don't remember them <laughs> coming over to me or doing anything <laughs> um, it's sort of somebody in the production office asked me to come in and he was ringing various people and saying we've got an oscar here we've got an oscar here hoping that they might get a bit of publicity yeah that was pretty well it, but it was a, an incredible experience and I, I really, really enjoyed it. We, we were able to see some more of America while we were there. Oh, oh brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. yeah. Because it, I mean, everything was
4: done so quickly. Yeah. Because I presume you had to work on Thunderbolt not long after. So you had some f- spare time to sort of go there and enjoy yes. it. That's great, isn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. 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 Yes. When it was the ceremony, what, who, who did you meet and what other, what other sort of films were in
2: nomination? Can you remember any of that? No, no, I can't. People say, was it nerve-wracking going up on that stage? Yeah. But the the thing was that immediately, the orchestra struck up with Goldfinger. Oh, did they? Oh, (laughs) wow. And all the applause. And I was drowned by sound. So I just thought, well, I'm part of this. And (laughs) (laughs) all my any tension vanished. It's unbelievable. Uh, and, um, And then when I got on the stage and looked out, it was something to do with the lighting, but instead of staring at individual faces looking at me, it was more like a blur. of Yes, a, yeah. Oh. And so I, I was just talking to this blur, so I didn't have any nerves or anything.
3: <laughs> Achievement in sound effects are, Norman Wanstall for Goldfinger, Robert L. Bratton for The Lively Set, and the winner, The winner is Norman Wanstall for Goldfinger.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it's very difficult to say thank you as sincerely as I'd like to now. But I'm a technician, so maybe I can leave the eloquence to the artists that follow. But on behalf of the sound departments that I've worked with and my production company and myself May I thank you all very sincerely for this tremendous honor and What's more may I thank you for the opportunity of coming to your wonderful country? I think for my wife and I this trip is going to be the greatest experience of our lives. Thank you very much indeed.
4: John can you get, can oh, you get me on, Here it you. is with obviously Norman's oh. This is incredible.
1: So i can give it to you again, well, yeah. not oh. Unnormal.
4: <laughs> we'll put the gold finger tune on. Go on, I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you hold it if that's uh, alright. Okay. Yeah. That. yeah, yeah. And it is heavy, isn't it? It is it's, very, very heavy. Yeah.
2: Goodness. Well, me. what's yeah. remarkable is when you think how old that is, and it's still immaculate. It is, isn't it? It Really yeah. is. And
4: the irony, it's made of gold, isn't it? The the gold <laughs> finger. The, <goldfinger>. the, the <laughs> final,
2: the final coating is gold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, no wonder it's last like that. Yeah. It's quite interesting because when I first went on my apprenticeship at Pinewood uh, in the main building there they had a glass case and they had two or three Oscars but they had worn over time and it was so sad to see the surface was wearing off whereas this look nothing's happened to it. So have you not had to do anything to it? No, no, nothing at all. Oh, only the bottom part there. Right where it actually says who is what.
4: Look at that. And it's just you, isn't it? You know, a, a lot of the Oscars for sound now, there's about four or five people who, yeah. who win it. But it's just Norman Wanstall there. It's amazing. <laughs> uh,
2: yes, I, yeah. I, I suppose, because that's my credit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know w- whether all those people you're talking about had a credit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's. I think there's two or three
4: awards now it's expanded for sound the sound mixing isn't there but it keeps changing so, yes um, yeah
2: they, they 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 had this for about two or three years then they cut it out then they brought it back right and then they introduced one for sound editing and i thought i feel sorry for the people that have got to yeah. nominate because they wouldn't know what sound editing means. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> can i ask when you went back into the
1: sound department after the oscar it was like the team must have been so thrilled
2: for you, yeah, Right. Like, big clap or a real team effort. or <laughs> Oh, you um, know. I do have a photo. I mean, I've got lots of photographs, yeah. but yeah. maybe afterwards. But I do have one with uh, um, the whole primewood sound. When I say the whole, there was the head of sound. There was Gordon McCullum, of course, Yeah, myself and the man that Used to do the recording in the theatre. He was the one that did the recorded that fight in the train, yeah. you know. Yeah. So we we were all involved in sound. And, and, and so they brought us all together and me holding that. Oh, <laughs>
4: I'll probably show it to you later if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: Oh. It's something. It's, it is incredible. That's nearly 60 years old as well, isn't it? Yes. Like yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: And you've got, I mean, lovely photographs of it have you have you managed to see the ceremony again was it because they didn't used to show it did they in england then
2: no 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 and i think at one time it was it was you could never ever see anything from the past it was it was like it all went into a vault yeah and so when um i mean it was amazing really that my son was talking to a someone at work and he mentioned the bonds and everything and the, the chap said, Oh, he said my son's crazy about the bonds. I can't wait to tell him. And when he told him his son about the Oscar, this seven year old boy went straight onto YouTube.
0: Right. Seven yeah, years old. Yeah. Wow.
2: And that's how it was exposed. No one knew it was on Right, okay, yeah. <sighs> so it's been sort of it's
4: reemerged, hasn't it? All this all this footage and you said just tell us a story about this now. There's a picture above you, a lovely picture of you and your wife with the award. Oh yeah.
2: Yes, this this is this is not the picture that I have upstairs which is the was taken at the time, and nobody knew that this picture existed. I certainly didn't. Nobody else ever mentioned it. But they suddenly in America put it on the market for sale. And this chap what was his name now? Yeah, Steve Oxenrider, he said, no, I don't want someone else to have that. I think Norman should have that. He bought it and then sent it to me. Yeah, and I think lovely. that is an incredible gesture. It is,
4: yes. Yeah. Absolutely really incredible. Is. And how long ago was this, that you were given this photograph?
2: Oh, um, just got, it's probably now, probably about four or five years. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh. So
4: after all that time? It's after all actually, that time. Yeah. So that was a, Was there like a, did you go to any after
2: parties? Yes. Or, oh, did you? Oh, wonderful. Yes, we... <laughs> After the ceremony, uh, we all got into limousines and drove off to this hotel where they had. Uh, you had. We were all in our, part, you know, separate parties, tables, and we had uh, this very nice meal. And the music was up, and everyone was dancing. Oh. And I always said to people, where my wife and I laughed was that if you bumped into someone on the dance floor, it was probably Gregory Peck. Or something. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, you sort of think, oh, I'm sorry. You
4: know, Hello. Oh, Did it feel like that sort of still the
2: golden age of Hollywood? When you very, were there? very, very much so. Yeah. I, because we were so close to the front, because all nominees obviously have less time to go up yes, onto the yeah, stage. Yeah. And while we were all waiting, you sort of looked round and virtually every face behind you was famous. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> quite, quite, Quite an event.
1: Yeah. Were any of the other Bond representatives there, even though they weren't necessarily nominated, or were you the exclusive like bond representative at the Oscars?
2: Twentieth Century Fox. They they looked after me. Right. And, all it, right. and it was their table. Um, ah right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it's amazing. and they—they they were proud to have it on the. Yeah, everywhere. It. All the Oscars were obviously on the t- with the people that had won them. I could tell they were pleased to have at least one on <laughs> on the table. Yeah, but then you had to give it back because they had to be marked. Yeah, you know. it's the real
4: the film thing away. The gadgets really come in. So the thing he puts the tracker on his car, the thing that he puts in his heel. I don't. Can you remember all
1: this? Oh, the homing device. Yeah, the homing yeah. device. Yeah.
4: He, he, Takes his shoe, doesn't he, and puts it in there. And there's loads of noises like that. It's just, it's just amazing.
2: Here's a nice little transmitting device, called a Homer.
0: You prime it by pressing that back like this. You see? The smaller model is now standard issue to be fitted into the heel of your shoe. Its larger brother is magnetic.
2: Is there a peep in the car? Yeah, yeah. 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 Audio visual, range 150
0: miles.
3: Ingenious, useful too. Allow a man to stop off for a quick one on route.
0: It has not been perfected after of years of patient research entirely for that purpose 007.
2: You can remember all this now. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, I knew I wouldn't be able to find that peep. <laughs> so what I did, I, I found a pee you know, a okay. long sound and then just cut a piece in each time. Yeah. Just, oh, is that genius? Yeah. Genius.
4: Yeah. We've noticed, I think maybe more on the, the later ones. A lot of these sound effects have been repeated in more Bond films. Ah, so I know, like, John the jaw Glenn, sock. Y- yeah. They, lo- they love the certain sounds that... There's particular screams and things like that, that they... Like the Wilhelm scream has been used, hasn't it? Pigeons flapping. Film. Yeah, P- those yeah. kind of things, yeah. And did you use any of your sound effects again in other films?
2: I don't think so. No. No. The one that became overused was the jaw sock, because... P- Sound editors tried for years to, (laughs) uh, you know, to get a jaw sock that sounded right, but there was one in the library that that did the job. Some. One session somewhere in history, they did it, and they said, yes, great. Yeah. And it went into the library, and we've used everyone. But you can hear it. It's the same sound. And a lot of people said to me, Norm, we've heard the same, <laughs> jaw, same jaw sock in so many films. <laughs> so obviously, you try according to what the, the sock is. You know, It might be on the body. It might be you right. know, on the neck. Or, but anything to do with the face always had that one from the library. You can you can hear it in your head now, can't you? The same yeah, it is It just works. Same, so yeah. like how they did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's
4: fantastic, yeah. In Doctor No as well, you've got the silencer in the famous scene with Professor
2: Dent. Oh. So there's there's guns and things like that. Oh, We're, by the way, that was the one I forgot to say. Yeah. That was the first sound I made with Gordon was the silence pistol. Oh.
4: One of the greatest scenes in all of the James Bond films. I mean, if that's the yeah. place you started, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is something else. Mr. Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six.
4: It's very in Fleming. it's Sean is his absolute best there, isn't he? Yeah, it really. In fact,
2: I, I'm, I've always been amazed that we got away with it because yeah. a hero yeah. never kills anyone in his cold blood. Cold like blood it is, yeah. yeah. True. And, it's, and it was, a, was it a PG at the time. Yeah.
4: like children could see that film, couldn't they, I think? Uh,
2: yeah. yeah. I, I think it was put under question by the censors. Yeah. Yeah. The only regret I have, and it's funny, actually, I've carried this with me for a long time, is that I should have made another silence pistol that was just slightly different, one that had a bit of a... It, it, oh. rather than just a two you know yeah and so that <laughs> they didn't always sound exactly the same <laughs> and if in that particular scene because he comes in and bangs bang 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 on the bed it would have been nice if sean's had been very slightly different
4: oh well no i don't i, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have any regrets i, I, I wouldn't no, regret no, about that Norman, i wow yeah. there's explosions as well in, in, in a lot of these films aren't yes,
2: there? yes that's all library Goodness me, yeah. The yeah. libraries are very, very good. You know, yeah. so much in the libraries that you could get. What are these you have here, Norman? So look basically every day I mean they're the wrong size, aren't they? But usually every day would come in about three thousand feet of this film. Just that would that come in. Clockwork orange. I know I've say. just seen that. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, then 3,000 feet of sound, it would ah, come Oh, right, in. yeah. Right, now the assistant now has got to try and synchronise. Oh, my word. Gosh. So the reason all he does is he starts from the front, and he looks, and he runs it on the machine, and he can see the Clapper Boy there going, woo, woo, yeah. woo, 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 And where it touches, he marks it and writes on it, 28, take three, Right. bang. And then he runs this, and he hears him say, 28, take three, bang, and he marks it. So now you're in sync.
4: That's perfect, isn't it?
2: Yeah. So then he, he would run it through one of these right right the way through until he got to the end of it, cut it off, and then he would do the next shot, hear the clapper, time it up. So by the time he'd reached the end, he'd have two rolls all in sync. Gosh, wow,
4: that's amazing, isn't
2: it? All ready to take into the viewing theatre at lunchtime when you show the rushes to the rest of the crew wow but without those clapper boards you wouldn't know where to start right so there is an origin to everything all these yes. customs and yeah but i would think that would be a quiz question only, only, good? One, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. only one in thousands could answer <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's amazing so have you do you have any of the original reels or, any, or Have you do they do that are they at the are they at pinewood what i
2: have got and those are your very special people oh this is actually a married print but the, when oh, the, the film is completely finished, yeah. the sound and picture are put on. Can you see the sound at the top there? yep yeah. Optical. Oh my word! That is Goldfinger. Is it really? Yes. Oh my word! Which scenes this? So though? as you three are rather special, I'll give you three, four frames each. Oh no! <laughs> you don't
4: have to. <laughs> That's... That's very kind of you, Norman. Didn't yeah, you? it's
2: it's it's Goldfinger going up. Is he's got the coat on? Is he? Is yeah, it near he got the coat end on. in Fort Knox. Is yeah, I or... cut a bit off. Oh my (laughs) word! Incredibly kind. So what I've got, basically, what I've got is a roll of film as as it comes in each day. Yeah. Yeah. And that those two now can run through that machine. That's the picture, and that's the sound. And you can just move it, and you can run them singly, whichever you want to do. And right through the making of the film, these two are running side by side the whole time. Wow. So if you want, if they say we're going to have a viewing. You go into the projection box, that goes onto the yeah. projector, that goes onto the sound machine, and then the two-turn. Is that how they would be shown in the cinema, then, as well? No, that's why you it's have the, the married married print. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, because that's they would have idea. a projector that had the sound that much out of sync with the, yeah, yeah, I think it's 24 frames.
4: I don't know whether you know, in in the last year, because to celebrate sixty years of Bond, they showed all the films in order at the cinema, and I think they would converted them, haven't they, before then, to digital. Ah. But but I must say that the early ones were very well restored. The early ones. Really, the picture was fantastic. Because we've only seen them growing up on video or whatever, where the sound and all that was okay. Seeing them on the big screen, because, you know, obviously we were too young, Seeing Doctor No and Jamaica and all that a remastering, it was, was it was just like watching a new film, oh, you know, listening to a new film as well. It was fantastic, and it made you think, "Gosh, this is, must have been the impact in the '60s. This must have been what people were seeing." Yeah, and, exactly. And opening you up to this new world of that people were escapism, sca, isn't it? Very but much so. Yeah.
2: Yes, some people have told me that they've that they've altered the sound on one or two of them. Yeah, well, Thunderball, John, used that. that was much better, wasn't it? So,
4: so
1: Thunderball, yeah. my Blu-ray copy, the, the mixing um, levels between the dialogue and the um, score are very uneven, so the di- so I have to yeah. turn it up when someone's talking and turn it down when the score's oh, on. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's how it's come out on the Blu-ray, but at the cinema and the remastering, they've evened it out perfectly now. Oh, oh well, Makes such a difference that yeah. Is that.
4: interesting. Yeah. yeah. That is yeah. interesting. Because it is frustrating, and it, it takes it away a bit when you, you've got that drop in level. Right, you know, right. Thing,
2: yeah. I just wanted to say to Really 007 Podcast, my name's John Richardson. I've done a few effects in my life. Listen to the podcast and enjoy it. Right, this is how... Editing rooms looked, for all over the making of films, I would think up to about 16 or 17 Bonds from the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> that's what a cutting room looked like. Look at that. And this big machine that you're using, that's what's the that mov- called? That's the Moviola. Oh. Moviola, right, yeah. Yes. Goodness On dear. the continent, they had a different machine. I'm just trying to think what it was called. <laughs> and oh, now, with digital, that's all they have is three screens <laughs> so the great thing about where their advantage is that if they make a cut and they think oh I made that a bit too this or a bit too that they just reprogram it whereas here you've made a ma- major error and you've got to either put a piece back in uh-huh. or take a piece back out yeah fantastic we've mentioned a few of the directors how, how much
4: involvement have you, did you have with them like terence young Guy Hamilton and uh, Lewis Gilbert.
2: I never um, became that close, except that when all the films were over, Guy Hamilton and I used to meet at various functions. Right, yes. And yes. I think, you know, without not being boastful or anything, I think the Oscar had something to do yeah, with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he felt very proud that that was his film and not somebody else's. And we became sort of quite close, and we always used to single each other out and sit oh. together and stuff oh. at one point, a guy called uh, Anders Freyer, sees- oh yes he got to know guy guy moved i think to an island i 'm not sure if it was island of Man or Island okay. or it may have been Mallorca, Mallorca I think it was, and we had it all worked out that we were- he and I were going to go there and join him for either for his birthday or some function. And to my disappointment, the poor man passed away. Oh, right. Oh, oh, I was very really looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah. But Terence, I mean, he knew me and I knew him, but we yeah. we never really had much chance to talk or anything. It was always Peter and Peter and him. Yeah. Like there's Dick Maybaum
4: and yeah. all these people, John Steers. Yes. It's fantastic because he got an Oscar for Thunderball, John, I think. He did. Yeah, yeah. Yes. After Bond, can you just tell us how how it came to be that you, You Only Live Twice was, well, originally was your last Bond film, wasn't it? That you moved on from the world of Bond.
2: Yes, I moved on from the world of Bonds, yes, and finally achieved my ambition to become a film editor. Yeah, yeah. The thing about the f- first film I ever, ever edited, which was called Joanna, which yeah. was a swinging 60s film, and the director and the type of film meant that I didn't have to be too... I could be a little bit more unconventional in the way I put the film together, and I think it was noticed. I, I noticed that in the critics, they t- two of them mentioned the editing, which ah. I, I thought was rather rather great, great, isn't it? And uh, one thing led to another. In time... I worked on six different films as a film editor. One of them was in Egypt it was in Israel. Right. One of them was in Germany.
4: You've worked with some amazing directors and you? you've worked with Richard Donner is that right? Richard Donner yeah. that's
2: right. What was what was he like? Excellent. Yeah. I really enjoyed working with the guy. Yes, he was very appreciative because what happened on that film was that he was given an editor an elder editor who actually was employed by the people that were making the film, if you know what I mean. I didn't quite understand it. But anyway, he obviously found that it just wasn't coming together in any way the way he had it in mind, and he was getting very concerned. The photographer on the film was also in that in that photograph. Oh, yes. Yeah, he won an Oscar as well. And he was on Joanna, and he said to the director, I think, there's a guy I know that would be right for you. <laughs> <laughs> and so they got in touch and uh, I was taken on to the film and he was very pleased that finally it was going together the way he had in mind and oh. it was it was, it was was a good relationship. I was very pleased to work on it. And which film was that? Twinkie. Twinkie, that's right, yeah. yeah. Amazing.
4: And Anna Blackman was in it. Yes, yeah. she was, yes.
2: Yeah, in Twinkie.
4: <laughs> uh, and Susan George, she and yes, I got yeah. to know each other. Yeah. Was it amazing to finally be there and editing films
2: yes it it wasn 't just having the status yep. of being more important to people and ha- and being having a you know credit to myself and everything it was the, the creative joy of putting yes. a film together and i think it was um, i'm trying to think of the guy who said that the films were made in the in the sound de- in the editing department yeah, yeah. which i thought was a bit extreme because you're you're only as good as the material yeah. that yeah. they've shot but I, to some extent i know what i know what he meant but you just feel so close to it and you feel so responsible for it and i i just love the the actual job itself I, it really really appealed to me i always knew it would i always knew when i was an apprentice that that was the job for me
4: yeah well it's amazing how you've gone all the way to yeah. do that yeah it's a great story you've worked on Was it fahrenheit 451 is that right yes yes francois Truffaut. Yes, that's not true. For some amazing names you've
2: worked with in your career. Yes, I you? felt very proud to work with him. Yeah, I, I I let myself down a bit really because even though I speak schoolboy French, I <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get involved because I knew what would happen if I started to use a bit of French. He was going to rattle away. Yeah, and yeah, would, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I would be embarrassed. <laughs> when he first arrived here, we were told that the only English he knew were the titles of all the French, all the English and American films he'd seen, loads and loads of them. So he remembered all the titles, but he couldn't speak a word of English. <laughs> word. And so, um, they said, when he first turned up, they, they said, two or three of us, take him round the studio and show him all the different uh, departments and all the rest of it. And every department we took him to, he said, hmm, hmm. You'd done A Warm December, is that right? With Sidney Poitier? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was the, probably the happiest film of, of my career. Oh. Right. Oh, brilliant. Okay. For the moment we got together, I don't know what it was, but somehow we bonded. And yeah. I liked the man so much. And not only that, but for some reason, we reached the point where every time there was a decision to be made, I I was only the dialogue editor. I wasn't the editor, and I wasn't the. There was an American editor. But whenever there was a decision, he used to say, Norm, what do you think? (laughs) Norm, what do you think? I used to think, (laughs) this is amazing. This is Sydney Poitier watching my decision. I think I know what it was. There was a very young girl in the film. She was only about 13. And my responsibility was doing the post-synchronizing. Yeah. And they said that she'd never done any before and uh, that uh, that would I make sure that she understood exactly what was necessary and so on and not make her nervous. And while we were doing it, the American editor came in for some reason. He just, I I was aware that he'd come in and he was watching and I was aware that he also walked out and uh, didn't think any more about it. Pembroke his name was, but we all called him Pam. A couple of days later, I walked, went into one of the uh, uh, viewing theatres for some reason and there was no one in there and he, he looked at, looked across and he said, Norm, come here. And I thought, what's all this about then? And when I got to him, he was about that much from my face and he said, <laughs> Pam says you're the best fucking sound colour that walks. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, oh, well done! Yeah, some of the funny sides for filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we
4: have to mention Never Say Never Again. I didn't know until recently that you returned to Bond. Yes,
2: this. that's amazing. Well, I'd left the industry, but uh, I hadn't yeah. been gone that long. But then. The editor was American on that film, but his assistant was a friend of mine. And he rang me one day and he said, I said, oh, how's it all going? He said, well, he said, Sean's not really that happy. You know, He misses the old days when it was like a family and the same people on each film. He said, he's he's not really that content anymore. We wondered if you would consider coming back. And I said, well, I've never met Sean. He said, I know, he said, but he knows about you. Oh. And just to have someone back from the old days, I'm sure would be. Uh, and I said, well, yeah, it's a big decision for me. And I spoke to my wife, and she said, well, you have nothing to lose really, you'll make a few bob. but yeah, so, yeah. So anyway, I decided I would, especially as he was my friend. Yeah. But from then on, I don't think it was a very happy film at all. There was a guy who had come from America that was dealing with the money side of it. And he, he, there was something about him, he, he could eat very easily split people. And I knew the people that were editing the film, but we were beginning to fall out. And I knew it was always this guy that was causing it. What really was surprising was when the film was finally being assembled and we all went into the theatres to see it. When it was finished, it went very quiet. And (laughs) one of the writers said, OK, why did did Bond go to the Bahamas? What? (laughs) And we all said, yes, why did he go? There was a fault in the script. There was no scene that explained ah, why he ah, had decided to go to the Bahamas. Right. That is fascinating. Is that in the final edit? That was in the no, it wasn't the final edit. Oh, right. That was the first assembly. Right. But the fact was they didn't have I mean they stopped shooting, all the crew had yeah. gone and yeah. everything. I, I'm not sure how they got round that. We'll have to watch it again to try and yeah, I know yes. you mean when, is it just cuts to it and you don't know I'm not know sure. Why he's there that, I'm not sure if somebody spoke over someone's back or what. Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so but, did you ever get to meet Sean? Like obviously, because you were coming back on as a, a face of familiarity, did they ever introduce you to him?
2: Well, all that happened was that um, we, we were outside my editing room and the editor was with Sean and I... He He called me, and there were the three of us were standing there, and I was aware of Sean sort of looking me up and down, and I spoke with the editor for whatever it was he wanted to say, so then we split, and to my amazement, Sean came into my room Aww. and I think both of us thought that it was time to say we've worked together on all these films and we've never been introduced were, were were but it didn't actually sort of happen i don't know why it just oh. didn't didn't happen so you were there with him but you yeah you just didn't, didn't he seem came to in say, and we were yeah, up, up, yeah. oh and i could tell he wanted to speak and chat and i wanted to as well but i don't know what happened there. <laughs> it, it didn't but both suddenly very shy right
4: <laughs> yes oh well I'm sure he obviously but The fact that
2: he came in meant meant something, you yeah. know, that he'd obviously heard about me and he he wanted to get a little bit closer. Yeah, he obviously appreciated
4: yeah, all the definitely. work you'd done on his on his films, but Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the last film you did, wasn't it? Yes it, it, it yeah. was. Yeah.
2: I don't really. I I don't know really what they thought the point was of remaking a film so soon, you know, yeah, all that yeah, underwater yeah. and then, oh God. <laughs> I think we prefer Thunderball, don't worry. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you look at all the, the chat between the Bond boys on Facebook, they never mention Never Say No. No, no. Never mention it. I think partly because it
4: was a sort of, you know, the rights issue and they tried to make a rival Bond film because it came out at the same time as Octopus.
2: Yeah, it's, you're
4: right. Which, uh, which yeah, we love, that film. Well, Octopus yeah, is a brilliant yeah. film. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was fair enough. Yeah. So in terms of your magic Tragic, Bond... really. Yeah, well, yeah. Who who's your favorite I mean I assume your favorite Bond is Sean I'm I'm assuming Yeah like right. like I would think 85% of the Bond fans Yeah well you know it's it's incredible really that even though it's a long time since he was Bond young young people growing up now still look back and say yeah think, they, yes. he's the original wasn't he so Yes he
2: was Yeah I mean, there are people that don't pick, pick Sean, and I think probably it was because they grew up with a different Bond, Correct, and that yes. to them was Bond. Yeah. I should think Roger's got loads and loads of yeah, Oh, fans. he does, yeah, yeah. When you think how many he was in, you know. Yeah, yeah. Have I thought you, Piers, Piers oh, had a lot going for him. Great, oh, oh, brilliant. Oh, well, thank brilliant. you. Yeah because he's
4: not got as much love as l- lately. It's nice to hear that you've, you've appreciated Yeah, that I
2: respected the guy because you could believe him as being that kind of person in that yeah, film. Yeah. It's just that towards the later ones, he, he was becoming looking a little bit on the old side. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> well, Roger was as
4: well, wasn't he? Yeah,
2: yeah. And you've seen them all, haven't you, up until No Time to Die? Yes, yeah. all of them. And Quantum of Solace was an absolute disgrace. In fact, <laughs> I did write... <laughs> I did write to the to the makers. And did you? Yeah, I did. I said, you know, this is this is absolutely inc- incredible. That it, had it been any other film but a Bond, that would have been put shelved and or recut or done something. Yeah, yeah. Never would it have been shown in that state. My word! This is brilliant, Norman. It was an amazing
1: interview. Anyway, it's now the greatest interview. There, isn't it? <laughs> I couldn't agree more. But there we go. Sorry. No, it is. For, it's famous because the, apparently it was all rushed, wasn't it? There was the
4: writer's
2: strike. Yes, yes, but there's no excuse. No,
4: it isn't. No, because you you had a year between films, didn't you? Each yeah. one. Yeah. You know, you had to get it all done with That's right. with less money. Yeah.
2: And uh, you know, more pressure really. I mean, that's it. Is amazing, isn't it? It really was amazing. Yeah. I mean, to have a car chase at the start where you have no reason to have it. No, you're watching this car chase, yeah. and you think, so what? A car chase is always after a fil- after a scene that yep. spurs it on. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what do you
4: think Peter Hunt would have made? And the, the cutting of the fights. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right.
4: <laughs> it's a completely different
2: style, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Because uh, the, uh, what's so Serious about it is that the producer's job is not just to hire people; it's to have control over yeah. the movie. And they should have said, "Well, whoa, whoa, whoa! You know what's happening here? We don't cut fight scenes like that because there's no there's no t- tension in it at all. Mm. It's too fast. You don't know what's happening. Yeah. The the tension in a fight is when you've got those moments when someone's you know held there and you're not sure which way it's yeah, going yeah, to go. Yeah. <laughs> No, all
4: chopped to ribbons. Unbelievable, really. You're speaking to quite a lot of bond funds who who felt the same way.
2: I yeah, sure. Yeah. But for me to write to them and yeah. and I said it very gently. I said, "I believe I have been told. I've just come back from abroad. I've been told that uh, certain certain uh, journalists walked out of the preview. You know. Right. Wow. Yeah, they did. Did you ever get a reply? No. Right. No, um, no reply. Well.
4: What do you think Peter Hunt would have made of
1: uh, <laughs> 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 Oh dear, oh wow. But you, then you were telling us that you
2: uh, you went to the Spectre premiere, didn't you, a few years later? Yes, yes. Strange, really, because we were put very, very close to the screen. So one, it was in my face, oh, and right. the other was the sound. Was I could feel it all trembling at a time right. my feet and uh, to me it was just another film i i didn't cu- come away thinking it was any more than just a fi- another yeah, bomb yeah. film i began to think perhaps they were running out of ideas well, <laughs> hmm. well what and what did you think about no time to die oh yeah no i, I, I couldn't understand quite what what was going on there quite extraordinary so much chat so little action i mean from the you had some action at the start that was a bit outrageous you know screeching cars doing silly things at a town (laughs) and then it all stops and and then it all becomes dialogue for so long and the villain doesn't arrive until three quarters of the way through the film yeah absolutely extraordinary (laughs) absolutely extraordinary Craig kate is real (laughs) well were
4: you all right with bond dying at the end
2: was that okay i couldn't quite see what the point was really i I thought, well, you must have had a reason for doing that. Mm. Have you any idea what you think their reason is? <laughs> what? I think it was Daniel Craig. Guy, his idea, wasn't it? It may be the end of his bonds, but it's not the end of the Bond no, sequence, no. is it?
4: Absolutely, sir? it'll come back, of course. And we're, we're, look, we're still looking forward to the next. Who will be cast, and what direction they go in? Yes, yeah, it'll be well, interesting. I expect
2: a lot of audience will expect some kind of scene to explain how it's yeah, yeah, come back.
4: No. <laughs> <laughs> It's it, I think as us Bond fans, oh well, well they'll just do. They'll just pretend it didn't happen. But a lot of the general audience will be like, "I thought he died." But I think they, they I will thought, think yeah, I it. thought
2: yeah. he died. Yeah. <laughs> but Craig's first film, in yes, yes, is the is the finest of all the Bond films. Right, good. Well, okay. that's, I was yeah. going to ask you: Do still like Daniel as as Bond? Yes, I think he's getting. It he was getting a little bit old for the part, yeah. but nevertheless, you know, he he was right. Good, right, yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree
4: with that.
2: But that yeah. first one, I, I always forget the title again. Casino Royale. <laughs> yeah, Casino Royale. Yeah, a very good film. It was brilliantly directed, a very good script. Yeah. had everything going for it and a brand new, for, a brand new Bond, which yeah. I think it came just at the right time. Yes. The, the, sequ- the series was just beginning to get a little bit tiresome, I thought. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it really benefited from having, obviously, an original Fleming material as well, didn't it? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. You- yes,
1: exactly. Because when you first started, Ian Fleming was still alive, wasn't
4: he? Yes. Did he? Did he ever? How, how often was he at Pinewood? And was he? Was he
2: around? Oh, those? there were cl- lots of pictures with him. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, someone like Graham Rye would be able to show you loads yeah, of yeah, pictures yeah. of him. You know, coming to the set and things like that. I, I never saw him, but yeah. oh, yeah, that was something, wasn't it, to see his books being put into, yeah, into yeah. reality? Because oh. you were you a fan of the the books? Had you read any of them before you? I did. I hadn't actually. No, no. no. In fact, I haven't. Re- I think I only read one. Right. Which one? Can you remember which one that was? No, I can't. No. <laughs> Wasn't Quantum of Solace short
4: story? Was <laughs> it? <right>? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh dear. You do have an amazing legacy of Bond that yeah. very very few can can match. And I know you've moved on to lots of other things in your life. You know, we haven't talked about your second career, and you know, you're out
2: here in the countryside now. It's, it's but it's. To look back on, I still love film though. Yeah, film's really hard. Yeah, yeah. I go to everything that's worth seeing. I go to see. Which great,
4: just listening to some of the opinions on the the latest Oscar contenders is fascinating. Yeah, because you you'll have a different sensitivity to it and different way of looking. Well, we're going to ask actually. When you see a film, how much can you? Are you always listening to the sound on it? specifically
2: not, not not necessarily just the sound, but you do find for the first few minutes that you're analyzing it you're analyzing the, uh, uh, the the reality of the acting yeah um, whether the storyline is quite what you thought it was and sound doesn't really come into it because usually it's dialogue and uh, my hearing unfortunately isn't what it used right, to be okay. and i I struggle a bit unfortunately to hear this is the it upsets me when I go to the cinema I'm always straining to Oh. hear okay. what they're saying, mm. but just, no, not generally. You can sit back and enjoy the film, though. Yes yeah you could that yes. good. Yeah. well that's that's the big thing. If I can sit back and enjoy the film, it means it's my kind of movie, yes, yeah, but s- some films i because I'm at home, I don't watch television like most people do, but I do like films, and yeah. so I go on Netflix, try and oh. find a title, <laughs> put it on and within ten minutes, I think, no, no, off it goes, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> It's very, very rarely that I see one right through. I don't know why, they just don't seem to be me or my theme or my time. Yeah, yeah. Final question, On Which Bond film that you've worked on are you most proud of? Oh, the one I'm most proud of? I think it probably has to be Doctor No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we can't <laughs> yeah. disagree with that because it's just so- unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Oh. yeah. it's so good. Oh, thank you so much.
2: Thank, thank you, you so much. So yeah, there's a lot in it, yeah. It's strange because um, what you can't, if you've worked on a film, you can't really watch it because it's, you know, the whole thing yeah. is, is, you were there when it was there. So, yeah. But years later, give Gareth his due, when it was the 50th anniversary, he had this event at Pinewood, and obviously he was going to show a Bond film. And he had the sense to say, well, the best thing is to show Dr. No, because that was the start of yeah, the whole 50." And do you know, I sat back and I I was able to be objective. Instead of yeah. analysing it, I just sat back. And do you know, I could see why it was a success. Yeah. I, I found myself getting quite tense in places. Yeah, I thought, no, yeah. one, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that said it all. That proved to me why it was the success it was. Yeah. yeah. Very rarely you can do that. It was only because it was 50 years later. That- <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. It took that long to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Oh. Brilliant.
4: Well, thank you very much, Norman. So I think I admire you
2: I've all for you. for being Bond fans, you know. Yeah, well, taking the trouble to get involved in them. Oh, we we're, 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 were in love with them, and we I think we always
4: will be. And you always will. I be. think it's partly because as children we yeah. were brought up with them, and our my dad was like Bond, and he he saw them in the '60s, you know, at the cinema, and I think that love has continued through all of us. So yeah, yeah oh, fair we'll enough. show our kids the Bond films and hope. Hope they like them as much as we do yes <laughs> yeah. yes
2: and, and and roger's fine for you is he oh yeah we, we yeah. love them yeah, all you... I, I know it's
4: it's very different to how it started yeah all that but i think for the audience at the time it's what they wanted isn't it a right. bit of a difference fair enough yeah and i dare say they might go back to that more light-hearted now i don't know we'll we'll have to see yeah next it would month. be sad if they did wouldn't it yeah Well, they i don't know you never hear anyone say they should go back to the shore. I don't think anyone would complain with that, would they?
2: I wouldn't have thought so. No. He just had a way of doing it when he yeah. I think they were on their way to a funeral. But yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That look was so subtle. He, yeah.
4: Because he doesn't overact, does he? No, he's no. He's all no. restrained
1: no. and... Oozes charisma and yeah. presence, doesn't he?
2: Yeah. And I always remember, uh, I can't always remember which film it is, when he, is, the film starts with him setting up that bomb, bomb in that building Oh, Goldfinger. Oh. Well, I think thinks Goldfinger, is it? And then he goes to that bar or wherever yeah. it yeah. is. Yes, Goldfinger. In the white dinner jacket. Oh, yeah. And is he standing there when it explodes in the bar? Yeah, yes. yeah. Now, the look on his face. That's. None of the other Bonds would even begin yeah. to be able to have done that look. I agree.
4: Because you can't teach that, can you, really? You can't, yeah. no. It's that, and he just he lights his cigarette, doesn't he? And it's just, just incredible. incredible. so cool check his yeah. watch, just like, yeah, yeah it's <laughs>
2: brilliant. <laughs> that was me who did that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never forgotten that look. Oh, That's Bond, though, isn't it? That, it well, is Bond. That's what made Sean such a good Bond, really. Yeah. It's the original. Yeah. He's,
1: he's not my personal favourite, but I will always say he's the best. I think he is the yeah. best James Bond. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, who is your favorite?
2: Timothy Dalton. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I love them all. I do. We do. Know. Yeah, we do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He never came over to me as a special agent for some reason, but who Dalton or? Yeah. Yeah. Dalton. Yeah.
1: No. <laughs> Cut this short. We don't want yeah, any yeah. Slits. <laughs> I'm only <joking.
2: laughs> I was very surprised that Peter Hunt accepted. Uh, what's his name for? Oh, George! Yeah, George Lazenby. (laughs) (laughs) In the history of films, I bet you cannot find one film where the star was an act—someone who'd never acted. Yeah, yeah. In such.
4: A pivotal film yeah. where you're coming after Sean Connery, I know, it? and it shows too. I yeah. mean. <laughs> <laughs> David,
2: David, do you, you want him? to take
4: over?
2: Yeah. Oh, you- funny enough, I did I did meet him very briefly. Yeah. We they used to have these events at Pinewood. I used to enjoy them actually, yeah. and they used to invite people that worked on it and lots of fans so that they could have signed things and everything, and the actresses and that. And he and I were on this table and it, and my wife was very, very seriously ill. Oh, right. And someone must have mentioned it to him, and he and I, you know, looked across and did a bit of this and that. And then he passed me this bit of paper, and he'd written on it, "Whatever happens is what was meant to be." And I thought oh. that's a very, very gentle way of putting it, really. Oh, bless and him, I, I said, "Well done," you know. And oh, showed I showed it to, to it. my wife. Oh, bless her! Yeah. Oh. But he's tried to make a future for himself, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting to me that Peter never directed another one. Yeah, that, that well... Means
4: something must have gone wrong. But he, we think he was a brilliant director. He's amazing. As well as an editor, he was a brilliant director. Yeah, he amazing. was. Yeah. But he's not another Bond. Yeah. You'd
2: have thought he would have carried on the oh, series. No. would have loved more. Loved more. I wonder what went wrong there.
1: But now, like fifty years later, it's seen as the pivotal Bond film. It's seen as the film that people aspire to remake and stuff. Yeah, they really. It's the direction of it that is the big thing. Like,
2: well, on a Majesty, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. 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 some some people say it's the Bond film, don't they? Yeah, Yeah. they They really do. I know.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I, I feel bad
4: because I think he died before it had fully come back. To everyone said it's a masterpiece before he died. uh, After he died, you know, and. I don't know whether... I, I hope he knew that. I hope, I hope he knew, he knew oh, how, right.
2: how well thought of it was and how well he'd done on it. I wonder what, I wonder how that happened. Yeah, I don't. But you know, we've all got our own opinion and reaction, yes. so you can't really keep commenting, really. Yeah. But obviously there had been certain common levels here. Yes,
4: yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, th- yeah, Thank you so much, so Norman. 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 Yes. We've, we've loved it and yeah. it's been, uh, well, an honour to meet you. Really it really has.
3: Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered.